Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third. I'm Sandra Herrera, joined here today by my colleague and co-host, co-host Lisa Roman. How are you doing today, Lisa? I'm tired, you could tell. Don't even ask me how I am, girl. Yeah, tired, early morning, covering these games this morning. Um, devastating, devastating results for the United States. Uh, how are you, though? How are you? I'm, I'm tired. I'm doing okay. We're we're going to get into it. This is going to be the U.S. versus Sweden Olympic recap for everybody who's who's looking to find out what the heck happened. We're going to be here for you all. Uh, a quick reminder to everyone out there joining us today. Uh, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you guys listen to your podcast. So go ahead and find us out there. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Attacking Third, and uh, you'll be able to follow along with all of our Olympic coverage uh, coming up of uh, Team USA, including the tough, tough losses. And this is the one that we got to get into. I think just quick initial reactions maybe to to see how we're going to get this ball rolling here. Uh, are you shocked in any in any way, Lisa? Yes. Um, I, I'm I'm shocked at the scoreline. I'm not shocked at how much trouble Sweden caused the United States going into this match. Um, Sweden is the United States' biggest rival, and they have been for years. Uh, we talked about it in our Olympic preview that this group that the United States is in, Group G, is tough. It's a tough group to be slotted into to start these Olympics. And the first match against Sweden was going to expose the United States and where those holes were. Um, They gave the United States a tie uh, back in April, a 1-1 tie. So we... uh, Fans knew that the United States and Sweden were going to go head-to-head. The scoreline is truly what shocked me, and the performance, or rather lack of, from the United States is shocking, devastating. Um, I'm not surprised at how well Sweden played, though. They're a very good team, and they came to compete this morning. Sandra, what did you think of this game watching it initially? What went through your brain? Well, first of all, I was like you got to get over that hurdle where you're like, it's so early. Like I got to say, like for me on my end, I was like, it's, it's, it's tough, but I, you know, we've been hyping it up all week. What did you choose? What did you choose as your drink of choice? Oh man, the caffeine check-in. Yeah. So I ended up rolling with a, uh, a black tea was delightful. Had elements of like green tea in there as well. A little bit of honey, uh, let it steep for a long time, let it cool off. And then I put it on ice. Uh, Cause I was like, let me get a little bit of cold. Like, oh, so you were up really early. Yeah, I had to, like, I didn't, like you can have your caffeine in a shocking kind of way, whether really hot or really cold. And I went the 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 cold route and, went, and for this one, you know, summer games, man. I was like, let's let's get the the, the refreshing cold caffeine. Um, but I, I still like once it hit me, I, I came right. I mean, look, man, I came in the Jordan shirt, the the, the gold hat. I'm on brand. Like I'm trying to, I was like, let's, let's do this. The Olympics are here. Let's go. But I'm in total agreement with you. I mean, everything, if people have been rolling with us here on this at attacking third, you know, we've, we've been live about a week now. We've got five episodes uh, out there for folks to to take a look at and everything that we've been putting out uh, in terms of the Olympic side of things. We've chatted a, a bit about this already. We've, took those deep dives on the U.S. women's national team. We gave a live reaction to the full roster when it was named. We invited Lori Lindsay back to take a deeper look at Group G, and we talked a lot about this Sweden team in particular. And I'm in agreement with you. I'm, I don't think it uh, – we're not here to be disrespectful. <laughs> so you and I aren't <laughs> going to come on here and be disrespectful to a team like Sweden and say, oh, this is so shocking and I can't believe it. Uh, it is absolutely believable to look at a team – 
like Sweden and see and say that they can come away with a win against the United States. What's the shock factor that's here is absolutely the scoreline. It's a three goal loss to open up this Olympic group stage for the United States women's national team. And there it's, it's a, it's the first big like three goal loss for this team since their 2017, she believes cup uh, tournament against France. Uh, where I believe they ended up losing that their own their own tournament on, on home soil. So it's it's not often when this team is handed uh, sort of blowout esque type losses like this. Uh, so that's the the small shock factor that's in there. Um, Sweden are a worthy rival of this team. We've been talking about it for years, and we specifically have been talking on it about it on this this podcast. But you know, there's history there between these two teams, and they are just a straight up good soccer team and they they showed it today they had a great plan and they came out and they executed but to get the ball rolling I think in all of this chatter around the roster and all of this chatter around the talent and the players that were going to be selected to go into the Olympics I think we got to start with the starting 11 and start breaking down this game a little bit Lisa what do you think we we do um can you read off those 11 for us because when I first saw the list of who was starting I'm not gonna lie I I, there was a player or two that I was like, really? Okay. I'm interested. Yeah. yeah so, so let's uh, let's run it back here for uh, for our listeners. To start off things in net, they had Alyssa Nair. Rounding out the back line, they had Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, Abby Dahlkemper, Kelly O'Hara. In the midfield, they ran with Lindsey Horan, Sam Mewis, Rose Lavelle. And in the top line, they had Kristen Press. Uh, Alex Morgan and Tobin Heath. Not a ton of surprises there when it comes to the defensive side of things. I mean, Alyssa Nair has been the the number one for this team for quite some time. And this back line, these four in the back line, they have been really the, the staples on the defense for this long. But I think there were questions about whether or not this type of match would have reintroduced somebody like a Julie Ertz in the midfield. And uh, Tobin Heath was was slotted with the, into the top line there and tasked with the start after those two uh, games against Mexico, really her first two games back with this team since January. Uh, so is there anything in this starting 11 that particularly jumped out to you right away, Lisa? The lack of Julie Ertz, uh, like you just mentioned. A player like that who has been injured, coming back from injury, we have not seen her play in any of the lead-up games, um, which may make sense that she was on the bench to an outsider, but Vladko Andonovsky did not bring Julie Ertz to sit on the bench. Um, a player even that's playing at 80%, a player like Ertz at 80% is better than most players at 100%. Um, and that's nothing against the midfield unit that was in there and Sam Uis and Lindsay Horan and Rose Lavelle. They did a, a great job leading up to this Olympic tournament. But you have a player like Julie Ertz on the bench that is so fired up and a player that hasn't played and knowing her competitive spirit, um, who hasn't competed in, competed in club matches, who hasn't competed at the international level leading up to this, she's a player that is fired up and ready to go. I was a little surprised to not see her in the starting 11 only because why else bring her? Why else name her into those 18 when she's injured? Um, I wasn't that surprised at Tobin Heath up top. Uh, she did play really well in the series and her combination play with Press and Alex Morgan up top was good. Um, but the, the midfield I was a little confused about, but I let it go the first 
uh, five minutes. And then I was a little frustrated and upset after seeing how this game unfolded. When you looked at the lineup and even formationally how Haran was in the six um, with Mewis and, and Lavelle higher up in their triangle midfield was, or even in the front line, did anything stand out to you, Sandra? You know, I, I think there were so many unknowns heading into mm-hmm. this one uh, in just in regards to, to Julie Ertz. I think we had some questions that were answered right ahead of this Olympic games about this team. But one of the ones that were really lingering was, was Julie Ertz. Yes, she was selected to the full roster and yes, she was going to the Olympics. Uh, but the questions about like the level of fitness uh, for a player like that, where it's at and you're, you're absolutely correct in, in in that if it's somewhere between you know 70 to 80 that's somebody that you want uh, on the pitch uh, in a game like this so i mean we eventually did uh, did see her uh, but also i was uh, also taking a look at that that back line because this is this is a this is a back line that has played multiple games together there's there's not uh, there's no unfamiliarity there this is a, a world cup winning back line. And uh, there are, we're we're still, for some people out there, there were still some questions around that a little bit. When you're pegged with trying to find a weakness on this team, it's, it's difficult to find one, but people were circling things on the back line, like things like lack of pace, uh, lack of speed at the maybe center back duo, and maybe even out on the right wing. Uh, And we saw a little bit, some of that come into play a little bit uh, during this match against Sweden. Uh, so it was, uh, it, it told us they, t- we learned some things pretty early on in this match, really quite frankly, from the first whistle. Uh, and I, it was just very, very impressive uh, to sort of see Sweden kind of come out and really just take it to the United States yeah. from the jump. Yeah. Uh, Sweden did not waste any time at all getting into this game. Um, The United States were on their heels. Uh, Sweden came out on the front foot, which is something that they wanted to do when they talked about this this pregame and heading into this match. They wanted to come out aggressive and strong and confident in their play, and they really imposed their play on the United States. Throughout this first 10 minutes, it was all Sweden. Um, I was expecting the United States to be a little off footing just because they have some younger players. This is a big deal. There's target on the United States back going into this Olympic tournament and especially this game against Sweden and the first five minutes. Personally, I was like, okay, they're nervous. They have some jitters. It's really hot. They're in Tokyo. After the 10 min- the first 10 minutes, I was like, Sweden has no issue playing in this temperature in this caliber of a game and the United States looks scared on their heels and they're being bossed around by Sweden. Um, the the unbalance in Sweden's attack, the their attackers, three of them, five of them coming out of the midfield against the United States back line made the back line of the United States look silly. There were so yeah. many gaping holes. They were just pulled and stretched out of shape constantly. They didn't look like they knew at all what they were doing. Um, it was s- scary to watch all those gaping holes between outside back, center back, um, Sauerbronn, Dahlkemper, 
O'Hara even, but mostly Dunn, that Sweden really attacked that one side that Crystal Dunn was on, and she got pummeled time and time again. And I'm a huge Crystal Dunn supporter. She's probably one of my favorite players on this team. I have her jersey, and she got beat today. And it wasn't entirely her fault. She was outnumbered almost every time Sweden went into transition that side was outnumbered and they attacked it and it worked. So they continued to do it. And the United States couldn't figure out a solution, especially in the first 45 minutes. I think, I think that's what was so impressive from this Sweden team is that not only uh, did they have a game plan coming into this match, they were kind of gutsy with it. Yeah. They said, we're going to take a look at your back line and we're going to take a look at quite frankly, your best player on the back line. Mm-hmm. And we're going to target her. That is, that is gusto, baby. That is like some fearless level type of stuff. And it, that is what was so impressive to me about that first half performance. Yeah, Sweden woke up this morning and they looked themselves in the mirror and they gave themselves a pep talk and said, we can do this. We can beat the United States and we're not just going to attack their weakest link. We're going to attack their strongest player and still defeat them and That's exactly what they did. You're right, Sandra. They set a game plan and man, they achieved it. I um, (laughs) am. It's like, how do you solve a problem like Crystal Dunn? And it's like, (laughs) oh, you just overload her constantly. And uh, maybe the A, again, not here to be disrespectful. Maybe that could be considered a form of respect. It's like you have to try to limit what the United States can do out on the flank or in their attack. And and they decided to to hone in on that. this game, you were waiting for moments for this first half to maybe sort of see the United States finally play into it, right? I think there was a mm-hmm. level of moment for a lot of us watching and being like, okay, any shift now, any second now, there, there's going to be a moment where they're going to like string together some passes. They're going to pick out those appropriate lanes. They're going to start doing the thing and the thing never happened and it really got away from them because Sweden got on the board first with an opening goal uh like in the 25th minute and it was a lovely goal oh it was beautiful what did you see on the goal Lisa um it it was beating Crystal Dunn down the flank of the field. A really, really nice job to get in behind and then across into the box. A beautiful header goal right right past Nair. Nair couldn't stop it because that's how well executed the play was. And it was really the buildup from Sweden on that play. I mean, you could honestly, you could look at it and say they had 25 minutes of buildup until they got that goal. But it was attacking the same side, um, varying up their dynamic movement in their attacking end, in Sweden's attacking end. And then to get that cross in, if you are a young soccer player, go back and watch that cross. It was hard driven right at chest level, um, curling around the United States back, back line. And you have to give Abby Dalkemper a little bit of credit. She had good defensive positioning. Sweden's just better they got to the ball first uh got their head in there and and snuck in that goal but the build-up play is really what was working so well for Sweden they realized where the where they could get in behind if they overloaded the right side with Crystal Dunn just attacked down that side and send crosses in if you can beat Crystal Dunn just on a step or so and you have a crosser that can send that type of beautiful ball in it's going to work I mean 
after this goal, though, I will say the United States looked like they had a little bit of a fire in them. The, yeah. they, the United States has their first best chance about a minute after Sweden scored their first goal. They went down the field. It was dribbling that to break the lines. I believe it was Sam Ewis who picked the ball up in the middle of the field and just started dribbling. Um, Sweden did their homework very well against the United States. The United States passes and keeps possession of the ball out of a high-press situation. Sweden, they put high pressure on the United States. And instead of marking this the man-to-man and, and trying to guess where the United States was going to go, Sweden picked up the holes and the gaps. So every time the United States tried to pass to feet, Sweden intercepted it because they were reading the ball, not necessarily worried about where their defenders were on the field, in the middle of the field. Finally, Sam Ewis realized that in the 26th minute or so after Sweden, Sweden scored, she picked up the ball and she started dribbling to break the lines. And that's what worked. But then the United States didn't continue to do that. They they tried to go back to passing. But after that first goal, did you see a shift in play or momentum, even if it was for a short period of time? You know, I did. And when we typically see that, they always say that the, mm-hmm. the five minutes after a goal is uh, are the most dangerous. If, you, if you're the team that scored, you got to pay attention to your opposition and their response. And we saw that. And I was it was good to see that, quite frankly, because the go- <laughs> the opening goal for Sweden could have been a very demoralizing goal, quite frankly. I mean, like you said, Lisa, it was almost as if they it was a buildup of play for almost for, for over 20 minutes before they finally got that breakthrough and it was such a good cross in from uh Sophia Jacobson to to Stina uh, to Stina Blacken uh Blackensteinus excuse mm-hmm. me folks feel free to bake me on that one um, <laughs> but it was just it was just a fantastic opening goal and it was like right in the six yard box it was just everything about it with the, the timing the positioning fantastic and though like I said those type of goals can maybe kind of be demoralizing uh, depending on the team but you know the United States women's national team is, is built a certain kind of way and uh so it was good to see their response to that uh and I was glad to see that from somebody like Sam Ewis because we we didn't see a lot of that interlinking sort of play in the midfield initially I thought Lindsay Horan had had a little bit of a struggle uh, to get going in that first half, as as did so many of, of her teammates. Uh, but seeing Sam Ewis be the one to sort of spearhead that wasn't wasn't too surprising. And you could see a lot in the body language of, of some of the players, just sort of maybe the lack of cohesiveness, uh, t- you know, taking place on, on the pitch. You know, Rose Lavelle getting on the ball at times and sort of just head on a swivel, looking, looking, not seeing a teammate to connect with or, or pass with. So the, the body language was there. As well, it was evident uh, in this first half. Uh, let's take a look at some uh, some of these these first half stats for for the team to sort of close out the the first half here. Uh, Sweden went ahead and they dominated. Well, not dominated. The possession wasn't wasn't super lopsided. It was about fifty. It ended up with fifty two percent of the possession compared to forty eight uh, to the United States. But we're talking eleven shots to three compared to the United States uh, actual attempts on target six to one uh, in this first half for Sweden. And uh, quite frankly, probably the, the most telling one for me that things were going to continue to get worse (laughs) for the United States was probably the corners seven to Mm -hmm. one to close out this first half. It was, it's tough, tough numbers uh, when you're looking at the attacking uh, numbers, uh, going forward into this uh, into the second half, which we will get into quite shortly. We'll take a deeper dive, but quick 
Lisa, we've talked about beverages earlier. I'm going to take a quick one second break to hit this water. I think you should go ahead and hit whatever you're sipping on. Uh, coffee, coffee, coffee and water, folks. It's what's sustaining us through these Olympics. <laughs> Cheers to everybody uh, joining us. Uh, hope you all took a second to rehydrate yourselves as well. Uh, Got to get into the second half because we actually saw an attempt by head coach Black Wondonofsky to, to make some adjustments. We saw immediately, and that was one of my first reactions, kind of watching this first 20 minutes of the game. I said, I think I tweeted it out at one point. I was just like, you know what? <laughs> the passes aren't there right now, and we're about to find out real quick how fit Juliet is or is not. And <laughs> we found out really, really quickly because in the second half, she was warming up and getting ready to, to come on. So this halftime substitution took place for the second half and uh, Andonofsky opted to bring on Julie Ertz uh, and, and bring off Sam Mewis uh, in an effort to look like push Lindsay Huron a little higher, which I was like, hmm, peculiar. Uh, and bringing on Carly Lloyd for Alex Morgan, who I don't know if anyone noticed, but we did not talk a lot <laughs> about a whole lot uh, during uh, our critiques of this uh, first half. So uh, she came off for, for a player like Carly Lloyd. So a bit of uh, muscle in the midfield, Lisa, and a bit of experience uh, for the top line. What did you make of those initial substitutions to start off the second half? I was excited to see Earth warming up. Um, that, that made me happy because she is a player that is so fired up and she changes the level of the game when she steps on um, and maybe not starting her gave her a different perspective so she could read the game from the sideline a little better and understand talk with players on the sideline that's what these players do they're so keyed in and focused on this game they're not only talking to their coaching staff and looking at drills and and checking out their iPad to look at stats and rewatch plays but they're watching the game in real time and communicating with each other on hey if she just turned her head a little and she checked her shoulder before she received that ball she'd be able to turn and dribble forward you can see so much from the sidelines um it, that's a very different perspective than watching on the field so I was excited to have Julie Ertz be warming up and then stepping into that that midfield unit at, like you said to provide some muscle just some um she's a ball winner she sits in the spaces really well and can pick off passes and she is a physical presence that the United States needed I was surprised to see Sam Mewis being taken off. Um, Sweden keyed in on Lindsay Horan during that first half. She did not receive the ball much. She had a lot of work to do defensively. And because she didn't receive the ball much, it it was, I don't know, I, I was surprised because Sam Mewis was trying to be more offensive, but she had to be defensive. And because Sweden was keyed in on Lindsay so much, I I would have taken her off as a coach um, and seen what Sweden did to not have to worry about Lindsay Horan and and then have to figure out what Lavelle and Mewis and Ertz could do in there. But, hey, that's not my call and that's not my choice. But yeah. I was surprised to see Sam Mewis being taken out, who is such an offensive threat and an offensive presence. Um and bringing Carly Lloyd in, I was happy with that substitution as well because, like you mentioned, we didn't see much from Alex Morgan. Uh, Tobin Heath had one or two chances. Uh, Press was getting some crosses in in the first half. I mean, not many. But Alex Morgan was really stagnant and and quiet. And that I think that goes into the mindset of the goal being scored. When the United States went down, we hadn't seen them, the United States, go down very much in competition. And the body language, like you mentioned earlier from Alex Morgan, wasn't like 
hyped up, ready to go. I'm going to be the one that changes the tide of this game. So to put in a player like Carly Lloyd, who is on the similar intensity level to Julie Ertz, to step into that front line and try to provide a different look in the attack, um, a nice way to go. But we don't usually see Alex Morgan being subbed out at 45. She usually gets 60, 65, 70. So that was a bit of a shock, but I understood where... Vladko Andonovsky was coming from. Um, is there any changes that you would have made differently from those? You know what? I'm glad you asked that because that's the other that's the other side of the question, though. I think where it's like, what do you what do you do? <laughs> like, what do you like? We weren't seeing a lot of uh, opportunities for the United States to really look lethal or dangerous in the final third, right? Uh, but a big big part of that again is you got to go back to Sweden. It was a testament to the way to their game plan and the way that they came out and the way that they were playing against the United States. I mean, they were truly eliminating any type of offensive opportunity that could have even been presented. It was like they were playing, you know, two or three sequences ahead of what the United States were attempting uh, to do. But we did see, we did see with the adjustment at halftime, a little bit of difference for the United States and again, we did. We found out real quick what Julie Ertz, you know, who she is and what she brings uh, to the team. But even even that, even that very brief sort of momentum shift, if we can even call it that, for the United States to start off their second half was short lived. That was mm-hmm. the other thing. It was it was short. Even if there was an attempt for the, whenever there were like these small five-minute stretches, 10-minute stretches of the United States sort of finally linking up together and, and playing like a, a bit of a cohesive unit. Finally looking like the United States yeah. women's national team. Sweden would have an answer for that. And then they had a huge answer for that. In the 53rd minute, you're talking about just, what, almost 10 minutes uh, back into into this into this game, into the second half, where – they score a goal. They, they they score a goal, and it was a brace. It was a brace for Blackstinius. I mean, mm-hmm. she gets another really close goal, and it came off of a set piece corner. Uh, you had you were we were just waiting almost uh, for Sweden to make the United States pay on all of these set piece opportunities that they were winning in this match, and it and it came. It came very early. Um, in the second half, and that can maybe be a little bit demoralizing if you're the team chasing the game. You want to be the one getting on the board in the opening 10 to 15 minutes of the second half. Not You don't want to be giving away the go-ahead goal, and that that's what ends up happening. There was a, an attempt, let's just say that, like an attempt to make a, a clearance on this, and it a just didn't very happen. Poor. Yeah, very poor. Very poor attempt. It, it we just don't didn't see- happen. We don't see the United States defending so badly ever, mostly because they never go down a goal. Over the last 44 matches or so, they, they've they been the dominant force in their games. And this morning, today, the United States were not, and they had to defend, and it they looked like Swiss cheese out there, holes everywhere. They couldn't stay with their marks. I, I don't understand why they couldn't clear the ball out. Um even in the first half on all of Sweden's corners, 
the United States looked like they had never seen a corner kick before and they didn't know where to mark. They didn't know if they should be zonal and marking the space or marking the players. They were unorganized and they weren't together as a team, but the lack of clearing is infuriating. That's the first thing you learn as a defender. Clear the ball out high and wide. Just kick it. If you can't find feet, if you can't possess out of the back, kick it high and wide. If anything, kick it out. Don't do a dinky 10-yard clearance (laughs) to the top of the 18-yard box right where all of your opponents are waiting for it. I love that. A dinky defensive clearance. Tell me how you feel. Lisa, it's almost like you were a defender. Uh, I was a defender. I was a defender. Come on. And I honestly think Alyssa Nair, I don't want to give her too much grief because she did play well and she is a really good player, but she became more timid as this game went on and stayed on her line more. Hard to hard to believe that like this scoreline perhaps could have been worse. Yes. If Nair maybe didn't have some of the really good positioning that she did have in the first half, you know, and some yes. of the things that she had in the first in, in the in the first half as well. Uh, but you know, even going down two goals that early, it, that's still maybe the silver lining at that time. It's like it's still early uh, because we hear it all the time that like, oh, two zero is the most dangerous lead in soccer. Uh, but that's only true if like you're generating things. And the United States was unfortunately uh, not doing that. And ahead of these Olympic Games, you know, with all the rule adjustments, 18 players to a 22-player roster, the inclusion of allowing five substitutions to be had in this in, in these games versus, you know, prior years, prior tournaments, there were three subs. Um, getting to see all the adjustments that were being made, all five substitutions were made for the United States. And you know what, on the other side of, of the ball, Sweden was making their adjustments as well. They ended up bringing Lena hurt, uh, hurting into the, into the match. And guess what? It was a great substitution because she ends up connecting on a third goal for Sweden. And again, can't be shocked. Can't be shocked. Cause we talked about it on this podcast. We wrote about it. On CBSports.com, it this was the player that put Sweden ahead back in April during their their friendly against United States uh, to give them a very early lead in in that game. So here she was, sort of icing the match uh, in this opening group stage game between these two sides. And just Lisa, I don't know if you need me to go off on it because you're already going in on the defense, but. I don't know what happened and that positioning and in that sequence, all of a sudden there was just acres and acres of space given to Hertig to just put on the jump and put on her hops and sort of dunk this ball away on a header in the box. We just saw uh, Abby, er- uh, uh, excuse me, uh, not Abby, er- Abby doll camper, mm-hmm. uh, just make a choice to sort of kind of drift off a little bit. And there was just all this space as this ball got delivered and started to put it away for a third goal. It was just kind of one of those moments where it was like, yeah, that's all that was missing was, was that type of goal. When we're talking about goals that could be demoralizing, maybe that was. The yeah. Yeah. I'm Sandra. Uh, thank you. I will go off because this defense was <laughs> atrocious. Um, 
before I really dig into the United States defense, this was a great offensive play by Sweden. They had a lot of horizontal movement from their attacking players, meaning they were going out to the sidelines, which really stretched out Kelly O'Hara and and Tierna Davidson at this point, or Crystal Dunn, excuse me. Um, Davidson hadn't checked on yet. It was still done. And, they stretch them out wide to the flanks and then cut back inside. And as a defender, you have to be wary of where your player is going and not just to stay tight and mark them, but also be in line with your center back. And as outside backs, the United States was not doing that. And then the cross coming in, I mean, beautiful execution, great header, really clinical stuff from Sweden. And that's what they should have done. Um, Just keep piling the dirt on the United States. However, For a player like Becky Sauron, who is so experienced, she has such great vision of the field. Her head is always on a swivel. She did not slide accurately. The unit, the defensive unit, the back four were not staying connected at all. And on this play in particular, they got spread out and not just horizontally across the field, which created huge gaps between outside back, center back, center back, center back, and outside back, center back, but also vertically they were out of position um a a lot of times this is like basic breakdown of a defensive play the player closest to the ball is the highest up the field closest to the ball and then they have someone in behind covering and then your third player and your fourth player are dropped back on an angle it's like a nice little slope the united states was like a zigzag zigzag mountaintop at that during this play they were not in line they were not connected I, they are going to go back and watch this tape and just shake their heads because that's what all the fans were doing. I love the uh, I love it. I love the coaching for all you young defenders <laughs> out there. Listen to go back and listen yeah. to, to what Lisa had to say on the on the defensive breakdown. I am a coach. I am a soccer coach. So it, it combines all of my commentary and my analysis together as a coach and any player. This is not how you defend. Don't watch that. <laughs> Right on. Uh, shout out to uh, Tina Davidson, who you mentioned. Again, the, one of the final subs in, in this match is just brought on maybe for just a different look of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy Mewis also was a dual sub at the time, I believe at the 79th or 80th minute at that moment. Um, just not enough time for those type of players to to have an impact in a match like this. Quite frankly, at that point, with 10 minutes to go, down three goals, it's a tough, tough task and ask of anybody. Uh, but let's wrap it up, Lisa. I mean, it's it ended in a 3-0 loss. What comes next? For this team as they look ahead because it's a quick turnaround it's the olympics there's only a couple days of rest in between group stages before they go on and take on their next opponent which is going to be new zealand um silver linings for this team if any on this match what what comes next uh, for you if you're looking at this team the united states has to erase the whiteboard and go back to the starting page uh go back to a blank sheet and and really examine what happened in this game. Like you mentioned, not a lot of time, not a, not a lot of days to recover physically, but mentally these players need to quickly bounce back um, and, and not forget about this game. Gosh, no, it's it, no one can forget about it, even if we tried, but learn from it, rewatch, understand why Sweden was able to pick apart the United States so easily, so delicately, so beautifully. Honestly, Sweden played incredibly. They they found all of the United States weaknesses and hammered into them. They found the holes and they continued to exploit those holes and the gaps in the formation for the United States. 
the United States needs to be tighter. Um, looking ahead to New Zealand, it'll be a very, very different match as New Zealand hasn't played in something like 16 months. Um, but this is a must, must win for the United States. Um, and it can't be a 1-0 win. They have to score a lot of goals. They have to get on the board first, get on the board early. I think we'll see a, a little bit of a different lineup. I'm not sure how different, especially in the back line, because this back line is good. They've played a lot of minutes together. Um, yeah. I'm interested yeah, to, to see. Cover, they had to cover a lot of ground right now. They, they did. They did. And a player like Tierna Davison, who stepped in, did great. And she is a good player. Um, she's young and she knows how to read the game so well. And she's willing to learn and get better. So that could be an interesting shift we'll see. I think the midfield will be a different, a different three for this next match. But Flatko Andonofsky, he has some work to do. And I think the players are so – they take so much responsibility for this loss as well. In post-game conference, they were saying, we got destroyed, we got clobbered. Yeah. They're aware of it, yeah. which, I mean, you'd hope so. These are professional yeah. women soccer players. You would hope that they would take responsibility for this, but now can they change it? Can right. they change from within their mindset and their mentality going into this next match and and not let this deter them on their, their track to greatness and their – track to the finals they're uh they're definitely not saying anything quite frankly that we're not already yeah. uh, saying uh true pros is always immediate post-game reactions they're talking about how bad that was uh megan rapino with a nice uh expletive uh, to talk about how how much they got wrecked uh quotes are out there take a look at him when you when you get a chance uh but not the way this team wanted to start off their olympic group play but it's how it rolled out and now they're going to have to make those adjustments. And that's really when you see what teams are made of. I'm in agreement with you. I think this next performance against New Zealand, they need a win and they need goals and they uh, need a nice, comfortable, cohesive performance to maybe get all those good vibes back after dropping a, a 44 game on beaten streak, probably not the result that they wanted to give uh, to, to their head coach in his first tournament uh, for sure. Uh, so we'll see what type of uh, tactical adjustments, uh, if any, they, they do make against New Zealand. I won't be surprised actually if we might not see any, but I, I, I won't also mm -hmm. uh, be surprised if we see a actual player rotation uh, just maybe within a, a similar system. So, so we'll see lots of great soccer action taking place uh, in the Olympics early, early on this. Uh, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Wednesday morning <laughs> that we're, that we're recording um, just some quick results for everybody. If you're following along with other group action, uh, Great Britain defeated Chile 2-0. Brazil with a huge, huge win over China 5-0. Marta with two goals. The Binha Andresa uh, scoring two goals. Beatrice recording a goal. Big, big win for them. Love to see NWSL players having a great tournament in the Olympics. Uh, shout out to Marta and the Binha who play in the National Women's Soccer League. And uh, currently, Australia and New Zealand are are going head-to-head -head as well, and I believe the Matildas are up uh, at this moment. So I want to thank everybody for joining us today with these quick reactions uh, to this loss. Uh, we'll be here for you during the Olympics uh, to keep track of everything going on. And uh, thank you all for joining us. A quick reminder, once again, to follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what you're listening to, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, we'll be back as uh, we're also available as video. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Go ahead and visit us at YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. 
And of course, we'll be back on next week or today's Wednesday, Friday. We'll be Saturday. back. We'll yeah. be back Saturday. Days For are the bl- Olympics coverage. Lisa Clutch is always helping me with the outro. We're a team. We're a team. For Sandra and Lisa Roman, this was the second third.